So that is not me farting. That is the seat. Same as what? Doesn't matter. We have done degree or degree. Degree no, 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 the fact we're in this room. Oh, okay. anyway. Um, good, um, what is it? It's it's actually, it's quite exciting. Listeners, it is, I believe, what I'd classify as early evening. And I can see sparkles of daylight in the sky still. Um, good evening from Guernsey for a second time. Uh, but for the benefits of the listeners, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. Welcome to the Global Leadership Podcast with myself, Anthony Price. And me, Jonathan Bradley, and a very warm welcome to you all. Um, we must immediately pause official proceedings to celebrate some exciting news. Um, JB isn't aware of this first little bit of excitement, but I have a gift to bring to the podcast this evening, which might make you moist. That's the wine. <laughs> oh, but I wondered, are we on record? We're recording. Oh yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. Okay, right. So Ant has now gone off. To yes, oh, he's got—he's so bad. He's got a drawer full of sweeties. Fizzy strawberry lances. Yeah. And then pierce the resistance. Maybe we keep this for later. A How milk, fruit, on nut. earth am I going to keep up my weight loss program when you offer me all of these things? Mm, nice. That's what I want to know. Um, right. So anyway, well, he goes off and does whatever he's going to do now. He's going into all sorts of cupboards and things. Oh. Anyway, uh, Ant and I were having a conversation the other day about what uh, we would like to do for this podcast, and we 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 actually said this title. Well, I think I did actually, and we both got quite excited about how clever we were. <laughs> and uh, well, we will leave you uh, the opportunity to judge whether we are actually clever or not, and that is a perfect segue into the title of this podcast and that is a bottle of pickpool yeah is that good the pinet which uh, is actually uh, a, a, one of my wife's favorites and she converted me into it onto it um when we started getting together a long time ago and anyway it's delicious it's happy well let's try this we, one didn't let's we pick a, this pissed last night i think we did so we need to explain, listeners. So we uh, recorded the last episode in Guernsey, which for those of you that are clever will recognise that this was recorded 48 hours later than the previous episode. But of course, we're going to spread this over a couple of weeks because I'm moving house next week and therefore need to ensure that my mind is clear of, of, of leadership clutter. Um, but last night, me and JB, after our group left our wings and flew off into the sunset, um, we went in down to Guernsey Port, is that the right term? Is it? Is it? What's it called? No, it's called St Peterport. Oh, okay. Anyway, we were down there by five o'clock um, because we generally start earlier on the second day. In case my boss is listening, I don't clock off early. Um, just for the record, never, never. Um, and never, I know, never and I know the known. chief executive's um, um, uh, executive known. assistant also listens to this podcast. So don't tell Mark. Otherwise we're working our way up to the top. Yeah. Anyway, so we went to uh, the, the 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 port where we uh, had some drinks. And to be fair, being lightweights that we are, by quarter to eight, I believe, we were in a taxi on the way home. But we went via a very reputable supermarket um, called Waitrose, and we acquired a bottle of wine with the intent to possibly record this podcast last night, but then we realised we were too sleepy 
and we're in bed by 9.30, I think it was. This bottle of wine is also available in other uh, supermarkets like uh, Tesco's, Sainsbury's, Asda. This is a global leadership podcast, so let's run off some international ones. Your 7-Eleven, your yes. Walmart. Yes. Um, uh, Tesco's travels, I think, pretty internationally now. I, I think, think I've seen, I, yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen an M&S in Penang, by the way. Well, there you are. Yeah, Penang. Let's not talk about Penang. I got very scared landing there, but not as scared as JB was, as you know from the previous episode, landing on the island of Guernsey on Monday. Weather forecast for us to depart tomorrow is safe and well. Oh, I tell you what, that is a flipping release. Relief. Yes, yes. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of releases. I think I'm, I think I'm a bit ho actually. Yeah. So we are, are, like the previous episode, dear listeners, we are uh, going to be recording this in readiness for our... Um, dinner booking for 7.30 which shit I've just realised I haven't told reception so ramble for a second and I'm just going to call reception Oh. and tell them what it's all about okay well so before I get into the to, into the uh, very very technical description of what we're going to cover on this podcast which we're quite excited about which I was explaining earlier I'm going to uh, just talk to you through this pickled de pinny which is actually rather tasty uh and now I'm going to open up the packet of Waitrose Woodland Friends. Now, I'm not sure that it's wise for you to try this at home, but these are fizzy strawberry laces. And, and along with my um, glorious white wine, I'm now going to have a strawberry done fizzy lace. So what have I missed? But I haven't actually got very far. I was just explaining to the listeners that I'm now co- I'm going to combine uh, this white wine, which is perfectly chilled, by the way, and um, with a strawberry fizzy lace. Here we go. So the irony is, listeners, that we I, I know you've a lot of the the positive comments has been the comfortable and relaxed style we have, but criticism has been that we perhaps talk for longer than an hour. And bear in mind, we're a good five, six minutes into the podcast. So far, we've eaten <laughs> some strawberries. We've, we've, we've rebooked the dinner reservation for our dinner party this evening. And we're... How is that? You're pulling a face. No, actually... It works, I, I it? tell you what, it's surprisingly interesting. Uh, instead of having a cheese and wine party, can I make it a little bit of a recommendation that the next time you have a cheese and wine party and... People under the age of uh, 25 probably wonder what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but it was quite big in the 70s. Uh, what you need to do now is to invite people round for a wine and fizzy strawberry lace party. Oh my goodness. Do you know sharp. what I mean? It's got some kick in it, hasn't it? Just... I mean, if you put a strawberry lace in your wine, keep it in overnight and then have it the next day, what would that be like? Should we try it? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> God, um, but uh, mind you, we have got um, an, an early start with the, with our mates tomorrow. We have. Anyway, so should we get this show on the road? Let's. Right. So um, we thought it would be quite interesting <coughs> to cover the area of education. Education. But we 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 we. This is where we thought we were quite clever. And actually, JB I, is clever. I would like no, to buy this coattails. You are, you are. Uh, and we thought we would we would call this degree or not degree. That is the question. 
that we want to, to pose to you tonight and, and go some way into answering it. This is um, a personally sensitive topic for myself on two counts, really. Count number one is that my father has always been bordering on obsessed the idea that we should all have a degree. Um, now, this is probably a generational thing, and my dad, is with absolute good intentions, wants to make sure that my family, including myself, all have the opportunity to have a degree to give us the most opportunities in the workplace. Rebelling as a child that I did, um, I pushed back on going to university, but I still lived the universe, happened to live with my cousin whilst working in the radio industry, and he lived in, um, he had a student house in Nottingham. So I had the kind of social aspect to it. Um, but um, because my dad and I kind of butted heads on this whole idea of having a degree, I made it my ambition to reach the top of my game without having to go to university. Um, and since then, um, I guess I have been totally um, appreciative of people's qualifications. But um, degree or not degree is a great topic. Sorry, that is the question. Is a, is a great topic for discussion because I think there is some really backward views from um, pockets of society and employers and as a leader listening to this podcast, I'm sure you sit on all sides of the fence on this topic for many reasons. Now, would I want someone unqualified to do an operation on my brain? Absolutely not. But actually, sometimes are we sabotaging the opportunities that exist for our own organisations by denying non-degree employees from applying to get into some of the jobs that arguably a degree and its relevance to the role are not necessarily aligned. Bloody hell. <laughs> For an uneducated fucker, that's not bad, <laughs> is it? <laughs> that was fantastic, and uh, really um, framed the whole thing perfectly uh, in a completely unrehearsed fashion. It was. That's the wine and the, the sherbet laces oh, thing. Anything could happen with those um, fizzy laces. In fact, they're not. They're, do you know what they're not called? Laces. I've just read lances. What, why would you call it a lance? I don't know. But then I don't have a degree, so I wouldn't know. Um, makes me think of boils and lances. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's another matter altogether. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's uh, a useful insight. I, I I think it's it would be good for us to look at it from the employer perspective, uh, degree or not degree. That is the question. Do you do you feel that it's appropriate? Uh, to only uh, get people in uh, to your company from the milk round and the milk round uh, is when companies go off and go to universities and recruit the best uh, from those universities. There is also a preoccupation uh, with uh, people who come from uh, Oxbridge uh, universities mm. um, and I think that there is a great deal of snobbery uh, around university uh, universities, let alone the degrees. Uh, I think that there is a drive uh, amongst certain groups of society uh, to put their kids into uh, degree level education, whether the kids like it or not. Yep. I think there's an absolute momentum for them to have to do it and uh, they get caught up in that 
I, I think there is a, an element of snobbery about that. And, uh, you know, I'm probably speaking out of turn. I don't know. No, no, I, th- I think there is actually a flip side to it. I think you're right. There is a degree of a, of a push culture towards university because a lot of parents may believe that is the only way forward for their, their, their children in life. But I also hate to say it. There are a number of graduates that I have met that went to university because they didn't have any focus and it was a way to fill three years. Well, um, that is the that, that is the other side of it. And I have known young people and terrible stories of young people whose parents went to say and just this is actually true uh one one was um what a person had two parents one who went to cambridge and one who went to oxford and they had no choice as to which university they were going to go to throughout their education (laughs) they were going to go whether they liked it or not to Oxford or Cambridge and there would have been a huge amount of disappointment in the family had they not done that. In the end uh, this person went to Oxford University and had a breakdown. Now that is not everyone's experience of university and a lot of people have an enormous amount of experience and fun and, and really a lot of learning out of it and it's great and it's a, and it's a brilliant thing. And I guess what what we're looking at is, you know, when you're an employer, what are you what are you actually getting uh, from that person with a degree over someone who hasn't? And I guess you could argue <clears throat> it is the usage of the time for those that didn't go to university versus the ones that did. Um, so I mean, look, and and I I want I need to be careful here. Because I am strong of the belief that there are some amazing people out there that have gone to university and have not gone to university. Um, but I, I, I get a little frustrated at the hiring policies of some organisations which have an insistence on a degree because they believe that is the only way to demonstrate um, a competence um, in a workplace at any level. Um, and I'm not going to name certain companies, but I will celebrate some of them later on in the podcast where they have dropped their graduate insistence in their recruitment policy. And I've championed that in the organisations I've worked in over the last few years to suggest that a degree is not a necessity. Now, this comes from a really ironic position, I should add, because for those of you that are in the know, you will probably be aware that I am a global head of a learning function for a professional services firm. So therefore we have a huge percentage of our employees that are in requirements of a degree qualification in their subject matter expertise that they're going to be delivering for our clients as in accountancy, as in law, as in um, certain other qualifications. Um, But I think I wanna fly the flag for my organization because they recognize that I am somebody that hasn't got a degree or a specialism in learning for argument's sake, but I still run a learning function which involves supporting the development of 8,000 colleagues of which two thirds of them have to have a qualification to be successful in their role because the needs of their ambition require that level of education. But where I get frustrated is this insistence on a degree education and actually the type of degree the person has is totally irrelevant to the subject of their role. Uh, And that is where I get a little bit uncomfortable. And I come back to this point that I've started with is I run a learning function for an organization. 
Um, but actually, um, what you and I have spoken about on previous episodes is that some organisations hire for technical competence, but more often than not, they fire for the inability of execution of the soft skills, which you don't use typically learn at university. You know, you need soft skills, which are typically taught in the workplace. You need to be able to lead. You need to be able to inspire. You need to be able to communicate and collaborate and be able to have articulate conversations with people. And sometimes people are so caught up in their technical knowledge, they think that's the only thing that's going to get them forward. So if you were to create... I was padding, by the way, so you could chew your rhubarb and custard. Ah, it's still in my mouth, but I will keep going. So, and if you were to be able to create the perfect antidote uh, to those three years, or, or maybe less, maybe maybe a year, maybe two, maybe whatever, mm. uh, the antidote to university that would give you, as the hirer of talent into the organisation, uh, give some examples of perhaps you know what what that experience for young people might be that would uh, enable you to go actually I quite like the look of this person based on their their attitude and what they've what they put themselves into <clears throat> and what they've done and and here's the irony by the way because under certain country law you can't discriminate because of age and therefore a lot of people now eliminate their dates of birth from CVs and therefore being able to demonstrate that you were doing things during what would be traditionally your university years is difficult to demonstrate on face value on a CV. Mm. So from the ages of 18 to 21, I could quite easily tell a potential employer what I had been up to during those three years, which to your point would actually make that hire thinking or the hiring manager. Actually, this guy's invested in himself during that period because actually he had ambition. So, look, you know, talking personally, I'm very aware that, um, that you know, people are going to look at this in different ways. And I'm, I'm happy to be judged on that. Um, I push back. I, I, my family, my dad worked very hard and we had no financial hardship. And therefore, I had actually had loads of opportunity in front of me. It was only 10 years after me and my dad had that massive fallout over me not going to university. You know, I still love him dearly and we're still very close now. Um, that he actually said all I was looking to do was to give you opportunities and options. Um, I cho chose not to go to university because actually I was desperate to go out there and earn money. And I actually wasn't enjoying education at the time. I was being pushed too hard on academia. And at that point in my life, I had had enough. Uh, and, and that was a personal choice. At that time, there was a management scheme available to me with um, Tesco's. Uh, so I was working part time at Tesco's. And they actually said, this this kid's got some ambition. He he actually seems to be really good at kind of working with people. And actually, you know, and, and ironically, at 18 years and four months old, I was a duty manager for a Tesco store. So I had 30 people working for me. It was a metro store, so it was in a kind of a shopping mall as opposed to a superstore. So it was open till um, seven o'clock in the evening. So I had to do the end of day in charge of all these people that were shop floor workers, checkouts, and I was the youngest person in charge of all these people that were aged between 19 or 18 in some respects, right up to retirement age, and they were doing the twilight stock fulfillment shifts. And that, at the time, for me, was more exciting than, 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 than going into further education. But of course, in the background, as JB and most of the listeners will know, I always had ambition to get into radio. But at that time, I was doing voluntary radio, 
and I kind of realized this will be a great alternative career path for me. Then I got the breaking radio. And as you know, my on CV, on paper, um, for eight years, I was very successful in radio and worked my way through the ranks. And fortunately, the employer, once you're in there, so sees your ambition, sees your determination and evaluates it. Now, I guess from the back of that, you could argue that you at some point in your career have to start at a lower level because you don't have a degree. But I was perfectly willing to do that. Um, and that's where I guess I get frustrated because I can talk to my CV as a story very easily. But of course, algorithms and digital, it's very difficult for a potential employer to filter CVs effectively to recognize this person without a degree has that potential, if not more potential than someone with a degree, for example. So... Go on, I'm passionate about this one today, aren't I? No, I, I, I love it. I love that, I love that passion. It's brilliant. Um, so I used to recruit people with or without degrees. And I, I have to be honest that generally the ones that turned up with a uni university degree expected me to employ them because of their academic achievement. There was, a, there was an expectation that, that I, I would be selecting them because of it. The, the ones who had no, you know, f further education in some cases, uh, and certainly a lot that didn't have degrees, I would be looking uh, at their CV and trying to find stuff. If, if I couldn't find it, but there was something about their story that was a little bit interesting, I would I would want to focus on on having the interview <clears throat> and just see what is it about this person and the and the letter uh, that talked about uh, their experience of working with their dad uh, on building a, a, a yacht or um, you know mending a car or um, traveling to um, Scotland without any money or going on travels or you know helping someone in the family where they couldn't go to university or whatever the story was mm. for me if the story in the letter and perhaps even in the CV as well was sufficiently interesting I did make a point of reading this stuff and trying to re read what wasn't there and often uh, I, I found those with those stories uh, you know, really fascinating. Um, and if they could tell the story and they had, you know, sufficient um, self-awareness and that they had, uh, you know, I don't know, that they, they cared, actually. They kind of gave a shit about other people. Don't you think it's ironic that a lot of universities say three A's in the UK, by the way, three A's at A-level, which is kind of your 18-plus exams, is not enough to get on this particular course. You need to have some colour to your experience as well. And they will tend to look more fondly on those people that have gone out concurrently with studying for the A-levels. They've had some work experience, have done some voluntary work, and they have a story to tell. Um, and it, it, it's funny, isn't it, that even universities say that the qualifications to get to university are no longer enough. And yet I would... You, you, you and me look at our last three years of working together, some partnerships in either a supplier um, um, uh, company relationship or otherwise, you could never 
get what we have gained in the last three years of experience in a qualification. And I would argue that what feeds most of these podcasts is not academia, it's experience yeah. of working with people and learning from each other and collaborating. Um, and I think that it, it, it just infuriates me. And, and to echo your point, I mean, I, and I have to admit, um, I probably went through a phase of being overly difficult towards graduates that I was employing as a point of principle because I was almost getting angry at the employers. This was mid-noughties where <clears throat> graduate schemes were the only way to enter into an organisation. And I therefore had a policy in the in the radio station, ironically, that you and I are familiar with. And anyone that came in with a degree, to your point, had a very similar mentality. Well, I, and, the, and I remember one of them saying to me, well, I've got a degree. Wow, okay, congratulations. When can you start? In fact, here you go, I have my job. Yeah. Um, and I probably have 50-50 in my directs now, with and without a degree. And they are all equally valued by the organisation in which we work. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sure people, you know, that listen to our podcast regularly are listening to this with curiosity. But I guess some of you might be wondering... Some people might have turned off by now. Yeah, you maybe. Know, yeah, yeah. You've got the most brilliant degree and they're thinking, <laughs> yeah. hey. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, right, well, hey, I, I've had two episodes without a single swear, so I can have a couple today. Um as a leader of an organisation, um, listening to this podcast, you may be wondering why we chose this topic. But I think this is something close to both mine and your heart. Because we see so much potential in people we work with, in the organisations we work with right now today. And it's funny how discrimination talks about diversity of gender, sexual preference etc etc and yet there hasn't been any challenges yet of discrimination of recruitment policy around qualifications because actually what you're almost doing i mean i was very lucky i had financial stability for my parents but there are a number of people that don't have the financial ability despite you know in the uk i know there are schemes to fund those types of places but around the world most of you can't go to university if you don't have the sufficient money to do so and therefore, I would argue that's discrimination of an employer to forbid people that actually have the potential to go and be very, very big on a world stage without that same opportunity. So I put it to the discussion and to the table of the listeners and you and I to talk about at some point, either now or later, that there needs to be a tougher line on employers that refuse to even acknowledge the existence of the potential of people that don't have a degree. I agree with that. But there has been for the last 20 years or more, and and I, I'm going to, to kind of focus on the UK for a minute, uh, because I kind of know a little bit more about that. Yeah. There has been a kind of relentless obsession with getting more uh, students to degree level. Uh, over the last 20, 20 years or so. And I was looking at some statistics uh, just so that I had some kind of idea of uh, how, how many people actually have degrees. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I, I thought, you know, might be might, might be quite useful. Yeah, sounds interesting. So um, the ONS, uh, in I mean, I know it's December 2012, but I think it's the most recent study, 
uh, 27.2% of the population aged 16 to 74 had a degree. Um, so of the, hmm. whatever, 65 million or however many people we have in the UK, 12 million of those uh, are university educated between the ages of 16 and 74. Is that kind of classified as the the main working age, as in even part-time employment? I, su- I suppose so. Okay. Yeah. So, well, let's <clears throat> call it kind of like 30%. Okay. Now, that's a hell of a lot um, compared to what it used to be. and oh, That's a higher percentage, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, in, you know, b- b- before 2012... Uh, it was a lot lower, um, so there were there were fewer people uh, at degree level education, uh, and so there was a big drive, a big push uh, by by the Labour government, um, you know, over twenty years ago, uh, to get more degree educated people uh, on the pipeline. And I, I think it, now that's all commendable and it's brilliant because, you know, we, we want to, to kind of get as many people um, socially mobile, uh, educationally mobile uh, as we can. But I, I think we, we do have a danger uh, or we passed the, you know, the, 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 the danger point and we've gone into critical point. We have a load of students uh, with loads and loads of degrees of all different shapes and sizes. We have a university industry uh, that is churning out uh, people with all sorts of, of degrees and they are coming at us uh, to be employed. Uh, the the degrees have they been sold the dream of degree equals guaranteed employment? Well, I I think I think that it, there is a kind of get a degree and you've got a better chance of getting a job, uh, and I hear that an awful lot mm. from my kids' friends <clears throat> that I really need to have that degree so that I'd be taken seriously. Um, there are some examples of universities uh, who are in this. Uh, degree-making industry uh, who've had students go to them. Uh, I have read about universities uh, that have done this uh, and uh, the students complain about the level of degrees that they got after their final exam and it wasn't good enough and the university reconsidered, apologised and upped the, uh, the grade. Um, so there is this term deregulated which, almost well uh, there's a term that I've learnt uh, recently and it's called artificial grade inflation and so not only have we got this um, higher number of degrees coming out from the university industry uh, but we've also got this sort of slippery slope of grade inflation and there's a there's another term which is quite horrific, um, and it's called subprime students. Oof. Isn't that interesting? You know, I mean, it's the, you know, when you think about the the 2008 crash mm. with subprime mortgages, it's quite scary. They uh, make the same association. To 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 actually use similar terminology. What are we doing? This is this is a this is a crash. Subprime students. Uh, they have been sold a pup. 
and they are now walking about trying to get uh, the the degree level jobs that they thought would be coming to them with their uh, kind of cool degrees in TV um, culture. What whatever you know, whatever it happens to be. I don't want to knock any of these no, because some of them just might be bloody brilliant. I don't know. Yeah, but I I, I think there is a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Um, I I wonder if any listeners or indeed we can find a study of, and again, it's very tricky because of data sensitivity these days, of non-regrettable attrition. So what I mean by that is performance exits or exited of people because they just aren't the right fit. So in other words, non-resignation attrition and filtering that as a percentage of degree versus not degree. And I'm not suggesting, again, I think we need to be careful here that people listening to this think if I've got a degree, this is degree bashing. No, it's not. Absolutely not. Because I think actually university more often than not is a massively valuable vehicle. But there are a lot of people to JB's point, especially maybe in the UK, I don't know, where there has been this obsession with university being there as a standard default way of life. And the percentages actually reassure me somewhat, by the way. They are better than I thought they were going to be. Right. But um, I have joked a few times, and I don't think I've said it on this podcast, but you know this phrase, I've said it before. And I've said it just to be kind of uh, controversial, and I should say that. It's it's designed to get a reaction. It's not uh, my, um, my sweeping statement at all. But university is for those that lack direction unless their direction requires it. University... Is for those that lack direction unless their direction requires it. If I have an ambition to be a doctor or a paramedic or a um, uh, a lawyer um, or an accountant um, or uh, I need, um, I, this is my ambition, I want to be there, then university absolutely is the perfect place for you. But I think if we were to look at the inventory of available degrees in certain universities, we would argue that these actually offer no real real life value to that individual beyond the three years. I accept the argument that it demonstrates a commitment to a higher level of education. But then I come back to the point I made a bit earlier on, which is what is more valuable is three years of experience in the real world, working with real people and understanding social connections and relationships and stakeholder engagement versus sitting in a room um, listening to somebody who may be not particularly inspiring as a lecturer because they haven't got great communication skills themselves and they think that that's a better use of their time. I was told a very flippant statement by a relative of mine who is not a graduate, I should add, who actually is very intelligent but is not a graduate and he said those that are too clever um, to be employed and are unemployable will end up teaching um, because they have a subject matter expertise and actually, because they're so obsessed about their subject matter, they just want to spread that subject matter because actually they're pretty unemployable because they don't have the collaboration or communication skills. Well, so I think there is a, there, there is a uh, therefore, um, a correction that, that needs to happen. Um, a bit like the housing market. Yeah. I, uh, ooh, that's scary, isn't it? So a, 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 <laughs> well, yeah. a correction for the students, a correction for the universities, and a correction... Uh, and the, the university industry end of universities. Um, I like your reference to university being an industry, by the way. Yeah, because I, I, I think I think there is an element of that. 
Um, and not all universities are industry universities, uh, you know, industrialised to make money, to make profit and to pay people great salaries for running great businesses mm. and churning out degrees. And, and you know, I, 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 as I say, I am not saying that that is the case with all universities. I think there are some terrific universities um, that, that actually uh, are more inclusive and um, fulfil... Uh, the, the the promise of a, of a fantastic education completely agree. Uh, that that will enable you to go on um, and and get uh, fantastic employment as a result of your your degree. So I I am not as Anne said this isn't this isn't knock, knocking universities. We're we're actually just really having a think about uh, you know where where there needs to be uh, a correction. And, and and correcting things in in the minds of students, correcting things in the minds of universities, and correcting things in the minds of employers. Uh, you know what what do what needs what needs to happen in those three areas? <clears throat> I've forgotten the point I was going to make now. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. I thought you. Were, no, no, no. I did, and then I it's, it's gone um, because <clears throat> you've um, taken the conversation in a good direction. So um, that's kind of a little bit of a, a framework for some of the uh, conversation from here. And, and then before you say what you need to say, I'm just going to pop up my point, because if you say yours, then I'm going to say it mine. So if I say mine, then at least it's out there, Fine. Um, which is the, the role uh, of the... Um, where are you going now? <laughs> Ant's gone off to a cupboard. Oh, he's got he's, he's getting some more wine. So the point, can I just say the word and then hopefully remember it, uh, which is, yeah, lovely. Thanks, just top me up there. Uh, apprenticeships. Yes. Let's see. Were you going there? No. Oh, right. Okay. So I, I know that uh, there is uh, a move to get more uh, apprenticeships and apprenticeship schemes up to degree level. And I think that is fab. I do as well, that's really exciting. Now, the, the, I was, it, it was probably linked to a previous point. Um, so I was privately educated, again, I was very lucky. My dad worked very hard um, to be able to fund that. Um, and I am part of a, a school alumni. Um, and ironically, I've been invited to various career events for the school to be a guest speaker. Now, whilst, again, private school, remember, so they will have a 95 to 98% going to university percentage, yeah. which will yeah. go in their prospectus. Yeah. Um, and they're very proud of that. So I'm kind of very conscious I don't go and piss on their fire by going, don't go to university, kids, and imagine the faces of all the horrified parents at these speeches. But one of the reasons they asked me to go and to do talks is because in these educational institutions where private school teachers are tending to be, I guess, more competent at teaching, for argument's sake, because you'd imagine so, um, I presume. Um, and they asked me to go and do um, speeches at the school about career di diversification. Easy for you to say. Yeah. But the teachers said it's very difficult for them to stand. I'm good, good relationship with the school, um, and so it happens that a friend of mine she works at that school, and she kind of introduced me to a few. Anyway, um, and they said it's very difficult for teachers to stand up and say to kids, 
don't worry about not knowing where you want to be when you go to university. But if you have a passion or an ambition um, that requires the degree, then go and study for it or get some experience and then go to university later. But what the teacher said is most of them went to university to get a teaching qualification to be a teacher. And therefore, there is a large number of students that are quite anxious that they've got to choose a degree straight away that is going to be a degree relevant to where they wish to be in 25 years. Mm. My dad's an electronics engineer. Um, so therefore, he studied in his own time, by the way, he had to go and work um, due to a family bereavement. He had to work and learn on, you know, whilst in the evenings. Um, but they asked me to do talks at the school without mentioning that I never went to university about the fact that my career had changed quite dramatically, um, you know, from broadcasting into software, um, into a professional services firm. It sounds like, you know, it, it, this is a bizarre kind of turn of events, but it's very difficult for teachers and lecturers at university to help people understand that career changes are okay. Um, and this is something that a degree doesn't necessarily educate people on it comes back to my previous point it doesn't give people life skills the world is is excuse me the world is changing so quickly i don't recognize that number um the world is changing so quickly it's probably university probably telling me to f off or the school um the world's changing so quickly that the qualifications we have now may not be relevant and in actual fact give it 15 years there is things out there that we have no idea are coming and there is no way of us educating them in advance. I mean, I was talking to someone that graduated in software development in a degree related to that. And by the time the degree was finished, the content they started three years earlier was, was null and void because new things had come along. Fortunately, they got the qualification and that allowed them. I have a relative that works in IT and he said, if he doesn't constantly seek the latest technology and trends and he's on a project for more than a year, there's a risk he gets left behind because he's no longer knowledgeable. So again, these are at work things. You can't be at university your entire life to keep your skill levels up. It's it's a, it's messy. Well, I think there is a uh, a dysfunction. I think there is a a potentially a misfit. I, I think the y university education uh, is out of sync with what is going on in the world of employment. Yeah, fair comment. Uh, right now. Uh, I think that people uh, are looking for highly specialist individuals to go into their organisations if they are looking for degree level people. And, um, you know, we've got a boatload of people who've gone into the university industry uh, and they're ending up with uh, a degree uh, with perhaps a first or a you know two one in in something that will not enable them to get a job and I'm going to give an example and and I will probably get shot for this from a large number of people but anyway I don't give a shit because I think it's just what I know and what I see um, I think people going and getting a media studies degree um, is a joke uh, these days I'm sorry to be controversial, but, you know, a lot of people go into uh, those media studies <laughs> degrees to come out the other side with a guarantee of getting a job uh, in media. Anything to do with journalism uh, and going in and getting degrees in that area, uh, I, I think it's tragic. Uh, in many cases where people 
go and study for three years uh, when the world of journalism is is declining and declining and declining. So we, we have markets uh, that are declining and opportunities for people to go into the world of media. We know, we know from our own experience about yep. radio and the cuts and the cuts and the cuts um, and, you know, everybody being able to pr- produce the most incredible film or the most brilliant photo or to, um, you know, stick stuff onto the um, into the Internet, onto the Internet in all sorts of different shapes and, and sizes. I, I, I am personally aware of so many people uh, who are finding it incredibly difficult to get jobs in that sector yes. with their with their degrees that are focused in on that sector and those degrees are now worthless and they've invested a boatload of money and a boatload of effort in getting all of that together. And the irony is, <clears throat> is that was the one degree that appealed to me because my ambition was to get into radio. Yeah. And I ended up getting into radio and yeah. getting it high up in radio without the qualification. Um, but at the same time, I think you're right. I think that anyway, it, it's you know this, uh, it, it's worrying because we sit here and and I'm sure you listening think we're not being empathetic to all situations. We are actually, um, but we thought this was a really interesting discussion topic on, for so many levels because many of you probably are sat in a leadership position, and we talk about this on our leadership programs, and you're never qualified to lead people. Um, there isn't, I don't think there is, in fact, tell me, there isn't, I don't think, a, a degree for someone that's leaving A-levels at university, go to university, which is all around leading businesses. You know, there is um, an MBA, <clears throat> uh, uh, there is, you know, uh, accountancy and business administration. But we see so many people in the workplace that are technically genius. Yeah. With a qualification. They're brilliant. Yeah. They're then thrust into a management position without any support whatsoever because, of course, they're a graduate. So therefore, they must be a genius at everything. And then they are left to rot and they fail and lose all confidence and self-belief because actually managing human beings is a completely different role to what they were doing before. And you and I see it week after week. These people that are lovely human beings that have never been given support on how to support, lead, inspire, manage other people. And I would imagine for most people listening to this podcast um, that you are not a degree-educated person in leading people. And I presume by the nature of the fact you're listening to this podcast that you could be graduates or no no, no degree at all, and you feel pretty alone on this stage as a people manager because all you have to lean on is your technical skills and you're expected to be you know in these positions leading people and 90 percent of the role is not your technical expertise anymore 10 percent is and ironically there are a number of ceos now if you look at the qualifications of ceos and most public companies tend to list their qualifications which by the way pisses me off as well in fact just put me off one and another thing it's put me off one employer because they list their degree on the profiles of the website. So I would never work for them because it would say University of Life. Um, you know, and, and that's that's a genuine off, off, off air conversation as well, by the way. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, forgot where I'm going with this point now. But uh, I, I, what I'm trying to get at is that actually it's a pretty scary prospect leading people. And so many people arrive in our programs pretty shit scared 
of the fact that they have all these qualifications and they're irrelevant to the job they're about to embark upon. And that's why we end up losing so many good people because they are not given the right support and education in the workplace on being a great leader, manager, coach. They end up listening to podcasts like this <laughs> to learn what to do, which is, you know, nice, but... So, well, with that in mind, I'm an 18-year-old uh, student and... Fuck off. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to create a scenario. Oh, right, so right, sorry, I'm sorry. an 18-year-old student okay. and I've, I'm, I'm thinking, right, you know, I, I'm probably going to get three A-levels... Um, you know, I'm going to probably get a couple of C's and a couple and a B if I'm lucky, and maybe an A somewhere. You know, possibly I don't know. Um, and um, what what advice would you give me as that? You know, I know, I know it's very general, but I'm just just asking you what you think. What advice you would give to that person in the con in the context of degree or not degree? That if I, I think a career conversation is needed to understand what excites them, what in, interests them and how they can hone it. And then, hey, look, I'm now thinking of my children and your children um, and what they enjoy. Um, you know, so if I think, you know, I've got one of my boys that thinks he's going to be a footballer or a YouTuber or both, you know, he's watching YouTube videos of people doing football tricks at the minute. Um, I have um, another child who is is studying photography, which, to be fair, she's bloody good with the camera. Um, and I need to be careful because if she happens to listen to this podcast, yes. I don't want her to be upset by what I say. Um, but 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 I guess what I'm getting at is is that um, actually she's naturally a good photographer, and therefore um, I don't. But equally, I'm also of the mind that I don't want to push my children into doing what they don't think is right because their dad says so. Um, so to answer your question directly, um, what do they enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. um, how do yeah. they, what, in, what do they like to get out of bed for? What excites them? Um, uh, and I guess also their, their, their willingness to get their hands dirty. Um, I still think there's a lot to be said. You look at some of the most successful retailers in the UK and most of them, the people in chief executive positions of those retailers have worked their way through the ranks. You look at Sir Terry Leahy in the UK, um, he was chief executive of Tesco's for a long time and he was CEO, I believe, of Tesco's when I went into the company. Um, and what inspired me about working for Tesco's was the fact that he was never a graduate and never had a degree and he started by stacking shelves. As an employee value proposition, that attracted me with ambition to work for that company on the basis that I thought I could have that top job. By the way, Tesco managers, if you happen to listen to this podcast, I don't probably aspire to have the CEO job. But you get my point. Um, so look at role models in society um, would be another piece of guidance I might give and think about how that plays into your ambitions. Um, and the other thing is, is get out and do some experience stuff. Because I think, uh, you know, at 16, I was inspired, but I happened to listen to the radio late in the evening because I could never sleep as a kid. And then all of a sudden I thought, I want to do these people's jobs. This is awesome. <laughs> Staying up late and talking to people, having some fun, you know. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that um, four years after having that kind of, I want to do this. Um, and interestingly, Chris Moyles is someone that we know is quite big in the UK. And I believed this guy at the time was working on my local radio station, Horizon 
and Chilton Radio in, in, in my home counties where I used to live. And I thought, I want to be this guy, the late bit he used to do this programme. Anyway, he went on to be the longest serving Radio 1 breakfast show presenter. And now he does breakfast shows well on the same organisation that you and I used to work in, although it's changed ownership a few times. Um, and those people inspired me. So who inspires you and why do they inspire you? And what do you think you can do that is inspiring by them that you could adopt? So Tesco has inspired me because the chief executive was an undergraduate and I didn't want to go to university. Chris Moyles, I know that probably is a real dodgy name for you because I know that, you know, I know we both worked in the radio industry, um, was an inspiration for me because I thought, actually, this guy, I like listening to this guy and I want to be him. Um, but of course, the generation coming at 18 years old today have YouTube and reality television, which didn't exist when I was a teenager. And I guess there is a worry of saying who inspires you. Well, if it's one of these reality stars... God, what are they, you know, what, what what inspires you about them? Well, I don't I don't really know. What's their skill? At least the people that inspired me had a competence that inspired, you know, I, I believed I, I wanted that role. Um, it, it's difficult. Get out there and get some experience and see what things you like and don't worry about making mistakes. I think between the ages of 16 and 24, as many jobs as you want, whether you come and go and don't last particularly long in them, who cares? because I could probably list a handful of jobs that I had that I would never, ever do. Double glazing sales I did for six weeks, for example, part-time evenings and weekends, I ended up being really good at it. So they, they got really cross when I quit, those sorts of things. But I did it because I thought, well, let me see what works and what doesn't work. But that that's me. What about you? Well, I, so I think that's really good uh, advice about... Uh, I, there were a few things about that, you know, the, 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 the ambition of young people, uh, the... Um, what makes you happy I mm. think you said earlier on you know find out what makes you happy I think that's that is such good advice you know um, I I was told by uh, a CEO that I, I could never sell and he was that was the most ridiculous thing because I couldn't sell what I didn't like huh. that did, what, what didn't make me happy <laughs> uh, when I went into radio uh, I sold everything that moved because it it, 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 it was jo joyous. It was wonderful. And it combined with um, my ambition to make a boatload of money. Actually, in those days, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't want to be poor. There was something driving me from my childhood, probably not similar to your own experience. I was going to be bloody wealthy. And that was a that was an absolute driving ambition uh, in those days. Uh, and I, it, you know, it was really hard to accept the fact that I, I couldn't sell. I just thought, well, you know, well, maybe I can't, uh, until I got into something that I loved. I mm. loved, I loved radio. And so if you are that young person, uh, don't, don't go straight to university to do something just because you think you need to go to uni because your parents say so, or society says so, or whatever, you know, whatever you think you just just give it a second thought and just just work out what makes you happy um and really have some good conversations and and notice what <clears throat> what what would make you ambitious and uh, you know that that i think is a is a really fantastic piece of advice and what you said and absolutely chimes with me and it's not that we want to only recruit people like us but mm. You know, we we talk about 
um, you know, people who, who learn, who perform, and who enjoy doing what they do. They are learners. Uh, they, they, they are, you know, growth growth mindset people. Yep. Uh, and they, they have a high sense of performing. They, they understand the performance of their role and they, they, they actually really enjoy it and they enjoy those that combination of a sense of performing and learning. And, and these are highly talented people. And I don't care whether they've got a degree or they haven't got a degree, but those are the ones that I want to employ. Isn't it funny that the number of people we meet degree or not degree, irrelevant, who are bloody miserable in their job. Mm. Mm. And they've studied That's all so their true. life. Yeah. And they're in a job they effing hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they live for their voluntary activities at the weekend or their social circles or... They're going to think, do it for the money. Yeah, a- absolutely. And and here's the thing is that I don't dispute for both you and I, we both said actually we wanted to be financially stable. Yeah. Um, and ironically, I ended up taking one job because it offered a company car and ended up just having to be really good at it in sales. Yeah. Um, but actually, it, it gave me a stability of a company car. Um, and at the time, I thought, wow, free car, nice, despite tax implications. Um. But isn't it funny that the people that do make massive career diversions, perhaps after you know a you know a tragedy in the family or an illness, it really refocuses their thinking into doing something that actually I, that gives me fulfilment. Um, and it just so happens that we are doing a job at the minute that we I think would agree are both very fulfilling. One is this podcast, massively so. Um, I, I love what, I love what I do, and uh, I, but always learning, always learning, absolutely. Every day. And and that's the thing. I I don't want people to get the impression off this back of this podcast episode that we are closed minded to anything other than 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 our own beliefs and mind because we every day talk to people and we evolve ourselves as individuals based on the learning experiences. But yet it is a single three-year window of learning that most employers judge the capacity of an individual. Why is it that we are judging someone on three years age between 18 and 21 typically of the single sample snapshot of their employability? Because uh, there is a legacy, there is a history, it is the default position, there is an industry around it and I think we need to lance that boil uh, and rethink the way that we hire people. Uh, w- what I think we've kind of come round to in this conversation is that it doesn't matter whether you have a degree or you don't have a degree. In most uh, roles in organisations, except for the highly technical, highly specialist areas of, say, accountancy, law, uh, medical, clerical, what have you. Um, you know, these these are specialist areas where a degree of learning is pretty useful. But there are so many other areas that involve leadership, uh, project management, communication, collaboration uh, where being able to learn and a capacity to learn uh, and, a, and an ability to perform and uh, actually be, be a, a good 
good person in a team you know someone who who actually gives a shit about other people uh high high levels of emotional intelligence and um if if you can if you can add all of those things together uh give these give these people a chance give you know just just degree or not degree i think it's degree and degree degree and not degree uh not or degree and degree oh god i keep getting it wrong what is in this wine alcohol degree <laughs> degree and not degree that is the answer is the answer nice um, I got, think I got there in the end, and it was, well, and I don't know what I think the combination of a fizzy strawberry lance, strawberry lance of a boil, <laughs> and a half a bottle of plonk is. Ju- I think this is fermenting inside me <laughs> in a very, very peculiar way, and I wonder when this podcast's ending because we have dinner in twenty three minutes. So oh, we have a we geez. have a we have a uh, two listener questions yep. for this episode. Uh, hello to Oleg. Um, according to your LinkedIn profile, you're based in London, um, but I um, imagine that you may not have um, uh, originated in London. Let me just click uh, where you are. Um, so you're currently working in London, um, and you uh, Oleg. in the Netherlands. Anyway, Oleg. Oleg's Oleg. question. Oleg or not to leg? Yeah, that is the question. So Oleg asks, based on a previous episode... When did you last inspire somebody? Don't. There's the question. That's so cheeky. (laughs) That that is a cheeky, cheeky monkey cheeky thing. I like that question though. Okay, well I can absolutely uh, tell you, um, and I'm sure that if um, Sarah Barry at Stray FM could come on air... At some point, oh God, I think I'm on a bloody radio station. What is going on? This fantasy. Um, Anyway, so Sarah Barry, uh, when I did some work up in Yorkshire recently with her team, uh, I uh, did some work uh, with them around trust and performance. And when we had our wash up at the end with the 30 people... 27, 20, 30, 30 people at the end, uh, we we used the words that described, uh, or they used the words to describe what had happened. Uh, Sarah, Sarah's words were that it was totally inspiring. Now, you did ask, and I'm not being an old, you know, kind of self-publicist, but I'm, I'm responding to your point. What I did inspired her that's my example what about you and i'm gonna go easy and say today um and i'm sure it was about me that they were saying was inspiring not you yeah yeah no i'm only joking that's fine no and that was a joke because we do it together and the sessions (laughs) um No, I, I would. I, I say today, um, we have a very privileged position in the work we do with people, and um, for a lot of people that arrive with a degree of scepticism on, you know, look, we've all been through. Can you get a degree in that? 
I, I, well, scepticism. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Certainly some of the people we some, meet, they've, they've, they've been got, qualified. Got in a it. bloody first. <laughs> um, a lot of people are <laughs> a lot of people arrive at management workshops rightly skeptical because unfortunately there are some bloody awful leadership. I've got a degree in skepticism. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Hi, <laughs> MBA and skepticism first. Um, turned psychology. Um, um, oh, breaking news: more coronavirus. Anyway, oh no, um, we won't get home now. No, oh well. Um, so today. People arrive at a lot of our leadership programs skeptical because they've been through management workshops before and they're probably very theoretical and not hugely practical. And um, uh, I had a message from someone today saying that they'd tried something um, that we had given to them through our workshop and they were skeptical and they tried it and they were completely overwhelmed by the fact that it had worked. Um, and also in the room today, um, there were words such as inspired used. So that's my answer to you, Oleg. Mm. Um, I, um, yeah, um, and I, I never take those sorts of things for granted. Um, and, you know, and, and I hope listening to this podcast, some of you that may feel a lack of self-belief or self-worth because you're an undergraduate struggling to find employment, you've been inspired by this podcast to recognize there are people like me and JB fighting on your behalf in organizations. And there are a number of big organizations out there now. One of the big four I know has dropped their graduate policies because of some of the reasons we've articulated. Now we're not saying again, if you are a graduate that is of devalued, um, sorry, it's, it's worth less, but um, you know, um, I hope we've inspired some of you listening to this podcast today. So there we go, there's the answer to that question. One another. Let's have one more. Okay, good. I, I should give a shout out to Joanne, by the way. The um, one that I know. Um, no, no. Oh, okay. we, we, I, you, she's submitted a question before. Okay. And she um, beat me up for not giving her a shout out because I said, well, I wasn't sure whether I was... You know, when we do these questions, yeah. we don't know whether we're supposed to name them or not. And if they don't make it clear. Yes. So she sent me a message going... Um, you can always name me. I loved the podcast question and answer. You never need to worry about aunt, uh, giving out away my name. I love her. Joanna. Joanne. Oh. Not oh, Joanna. I've just blown it. Yeah. She, you don't even know her, do you? Don't know well, her. I do, well, I said I don't know. But anyway, Joanne. I will never call you Joanna again. And I'm delighted that you're ready to be named uh, as long as your question is absolutely brilliant. Mm. So, Joanne, lovely to talk with you once more. Last question of the day, then. This is a good question, actually. From Joanne? No. Oh, okay. No, no, I, 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 I had that message, ironically. I just read, I go through some of my unread messages whilst we're looking, as I'm looking for the questions for the podcast. Yeah. This one's from Kath from the US. Hello, Kath. Oh, I'm bracing myself. You'll like this. This is a nice, easy question. Okay. How do you switch off? From work, I believe. Oh, I was looking at the control. Yeah. Now, how do we end the recording? Now, how, how do you switch off? And that's to both of us. That is such a absolutely marvellous question. Because people probably don't think there's anything other than this. And we're sat here, by the way. I'm sat in my... With my feet on a bed. Um, we're in a hotel in my hotel room actually you know what just for the record listeners we've never been able to record an episode in jb's room and i have no fucking idea what goes on in his room 
but I've never been invited into it yet. He's now spent, I believe, a good five to Actually, no, no, I lie. In London, we recorded an episode in your room. Did Didn't we? we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'd had a couple of bottles on that night. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm very private about my hotel rooms, um, <coughs> what, go, what goes on tour. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I think I get, I get into a kind of system of uh, order and... I don't really, I don't, I, I, well, apart from my wife, but I, I don't really want anyone in my hotel room. I don't even like the people knocking on the door and saying, room service. I don't like that. I, I don't, open up my room to you. You're, you're much more inclusive. I think you'd have everybody in your room and sharing your bed, your, your Hello bath. to the wife listening, by the way. <laughs> your balcony i i don't want that i when when my i've got so i love your question uh kath it's great because i've got a thing about doors i do have a thing what where are we fucking going with this <laughs> no i do have i have a thing about doors so when i've had a really busy day and i love people i absolutely adore people but i also no, i don't adore I myself i hate people <laughs> but I, I i actually sometimes i just you know when you know when you 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 go back to your flat, your house, your whatever, and you you just open that door and you go in, and then you close the door, and it's shut. Hang on, for the purpose of uh, <laughs> one minute. And here we go. That when you have given yourself to everybody else. And you are probably a bit of an empty husk. There's not much left of you. And I do work a bit like that. And I think Anne would agree. And he's the same. I have to. I have to know that I somewhere in my life, wherever it is, I can shut the door, and I'm not going to be interrupted uh, by humans, uh, by dogs, by cats, by phone calls, by anything. And if I don't get that, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit unsettled. So I, I do need to have a door. And on the other side of that door, I have to have my space and my order. And when I've got that, that now, Kath, this is where I'm going to go slightly weird. Um, and uh, please, listeners, don't judge me harshly, but I, I, I've got a pair of noise-cancelling headphones... And I've got a iPad, and I disappear into another world, and that's me gone. And that, and I don't, I watch a whole load of shit, and I listen Generally to with a, nakedness in it. I listen to a whole load of shit, and I'm gone. I'm gone. And and sometimes I do that at airports, on airplanes, and and even with my wife sometimes, and she gets very very annoyed with me. Uh, because I just switch off. I go into my noise-cancelling headphones uh, between the cans, and, and sometimes it's a visual thing, sometimes it's an auditory thing, and I I can just block and disappear for hours and hours, and, and I need that, and I don't mind admitting that to you. So that was a wonderful question, and I hope I haven't babbled on. Anyway, over to you, and You kind of stole on mine. <clears throat> really? Have I co- I've covered quite a lot of ground now. You have. You pretty much do everything. 
so thanks 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 a lot <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to take away your airtime no 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 um i th- well look we have a lot in common so i'm not surprised we have similarities there um i switch off by noise cancelling headphones and music oh there you are um but i do not this is the irony so i invest i spent thousands years ago on a really good home cinema system and all I do to switch off is listen to music. And uh, some of my family take the piss out of me because um, the last James Bond film I always claim to have watched is A View to a Kill from 1985. Oh. So I stopped watching movies from 1985 onwards in favour of listening to music. Being And one of the reasons I went into radio is because I wanted to be able to play music to people that you, know, that you love to listen to. Um, so for me, it's music. Music is my, is my sanctuary. Um, and you can ask JB and many others. My music taste is eclectic from today right through to probably 1982. Um, 80s, uh, you, you're an 80s. I like my 80s music. That's yeah. because, probably because when I got into radio, that was the music that I used to play the most um, at the time. Like, you know, it was 80s and 90s was the main kind of... 80s, 90s and today, I believe, was a track line, the better music mix. That's the one. Um, so music for me is the big switch off. Um, and I, believe it or not, do like doing things with my children. I know we talk a lot about work, but um, I do... When I don't have a list of things to do, I really enjoy spending time with my children and pushing cars around the kitchen floor and stuff like oh, that. Well, I think that's lovely. I, and what a your your little newborn son, the eighteen month old yeah. newborn. Yeah, um, he uh, he's pretty pretty fast in his little go faster. He's well, he's walking, car. he's running now. In fact, today I should tell you, listeners, that I had a message from my sister in law to say that he said fish um, and sooty cat um, today. Um, so he's coming along leaps and bounds with his, his vocabulary. But of course, that means my he's, wife he's then gets... just behind you, and Yeah. I, well, I remember, away. I am a non-degree. So, of course, my vocabulary is limited. Oh, you're one of the brightest people that I know in Guernsey. <laughs> you only, there's only three other people in Guernsey you know after today, right? Um, so, well, I guess at this point we should sign off because we are due imminently downstairs for our second bottle of wine of the day. Um, what? How should we close this off? Should we talk about what we're up to or not? <clears throat> no, I think we should wrap it up now because um, this is a good time to go. You need a piss, don't you? You're getting fidgety. Well, I, those fizzy things are doing weird things for me. So anyway, um, I have been and will continue to be <laughs> sure. Jonathan Bradley and we have been lancing the septic boil of global leadership this evening and i've been anthony price um looking at that last boil on the floor good night good night